wonder whose kid that was at the very end. As much as you guys think I like ice cream or eating, for that matter, um, my oldest is uh, where I learned it. So, yeah. She loves it too. Hey, it's so good to be with all you guys today. And in, uh, you know, true Father's Day form, I did start a couple of weeks ago with some jokes. I've got a couple more today I want to tell just to get started. Father's Day, you know, it's uh, obligatory, I would say, today. Uh, but actually on the way in, and uh, I'm going to have to give a, a shout out to uh, Brody. Brody told me this joke, so I thought it was really funny, and I would share it. Uh, there was a, <laughs> some of you know him, were like, what? So Brody, all right, uh, he had a, uh, a, a lady went in to have, uh, she was pregnant, she was going to give birth, and she went to the hospital, and while she was giving birth, she passed out, but her brother was there, and you know, whenever the, the woman woke up, uh, the doctor said, hey, don't worry, your brother named the kids no need to worry about the names. It's taken care of. And she was like, um, so what's going on here? Said, what are the names of these kids? Asking her brother. And uh, the, the woman, uh, the brother said, well, for the little girl, they were twins, boy and girl. For the little girl, we named it Denise. And uh, that was, you would like that. And she was like, oh yeah, that works, Denise. And he said, what about the boy? Uh, the nephew. <laughs> Get it? Denise, the nephew. That's a good one. <laughs> All right, a couple more. Um, for math, everybody who loves math, I just have one thing to say about math. Dear math, please grow up and solve your own problems <laughs> because we are tired of solving those problems for you. <laughs> what did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? Anybody? Supplies. <laughs> somebody, somebody stole my glory back there. All right. Uh, one more. What did the ocean say to the beach? Nothing. It just waved. <laughs> Okay, okay. All you dads, you're welcome. <laughs> Go home and tell your kids. Now, um, all right, so today's Father's Day, and uh, I want to talk. Today I want to start something new and different, uh, a new series of messages. Um, usually through the summer, I always like to have a a summer emphasis, a summer theme. This year, we've kind of had some issues getting started with the uh, summer because of just the schedules and stuff with camps and all that. So I'm starting a little late, but I do want to make sure that we get in on this. Uh, by the way, two more things. Today's notes, if you want to follow on the notes for the message, you can uh, get it on the church app uh, or the Bible app. Just go to there and, and you'll find some of those. And then also, um, I did tell Jessica that I would I almost forgot about VBS. Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, we're going to be having uh, some, during the day, 9 to 3 o'clock, they're going to be setting up for VBS. There's like 220 kids registered. So they're like, we're, we had to cap registration, and there's still, you know, some that we wanted to let in. Um, and if you can help at all this, not this week, but next week, um, let us know, because we would love to have your help. As you can see, there's a lot of kids. But isn't it great? Like, all these kids, parents are bringing their kids to us so we can tell them about Jesus. Like, it's amazing. Um, anyway, so right after the service, she's going to have a, a short, we know it's Father's Day, but just a real short little um, five-minute meeting to kind of let you know what's going on, and uh, we're going to be doing that. But uh, anyway, back to the emphasis. So, you know, God has called us this year to re-engage. It's time for us to to put things together, to really re-engage, not just re-engage with him, which that's what we're going to talk about today, but re-engage as a church, like re-engage with our community, to re-engage with the Holy Spirit. Like we want to have this 
we don't just want, God is calling us to draw closer to him, to draw together with him. It was several months ago that he told us that it's time for revival. He wants to bring revival. And I'll tell you just a little bit about what was going on with the teens this week. And they were, they were having revival at camp, at teen camp. They were there. It was a, an amazing time. I was able to go on Thursday night and uh, it's something that I do, try to do every year, bring pizza to them. And that was awesome. Um, we had 55 or so many kids. I don't remember. It was a lot of teenagers. But they were having this revival there. The Holy Spirit was moving among them. Kids were being um, healed and things were happening in, in just a very special way. And if you have a chance, please talk with our youth pastor, Michael, and he'll tell you all about the things that were going on. It was, it was amazing. Amazing things happened to him. I'm not going to um, tell his story, but God is just moving in our teens. And he wants us to experience revival. And that's what he said to me, it's time this year for us to re-engage, to draw back together, to become the church that he has called us to be. So I'm going to start here and ask, how many of you have made mistakes in your relationships? We've all made mistakes in our relationships, right? Uh, we've all done it. When Cerise and I first started dating, there's, there's a lot of things that we didn't know about each other. Over the past, I was, I think it's like 24 years that we've been together and then married. And I can tell you that over that time, we have come to know each other much more intimately, become very much more familiar with, the, with each other. And I'm going to tell you a couple of stories, just some things. Maybe I can help you, especially those of you who are younger, to avoid some of these pitfalls. Um, we had been dating only a short time. Really, I mean, we had just started dating. And I remember um, she would get mad at me when she would be upset about something. She would just shut down. Like she would just quit talking. She wouldn't say anything. She was just silent. And it drove me crazy because I'm the kind that's like, let's figure this out. Like, let's fix this right now. So I, I don't remember what she was upset with me about now, but I could just sense the anger. And she was sitting there in the in the truck. She wasn't saying anything. She was just fuming. And I was like, what? I don't, like, what's going on right now? And so I looked at her in frustration. I said, listen, if you don't tell me what's going on, then there's no way I can fix it. Like, it's not fair to me that you are just going to not say anything. So I guess in that moment, she decided it was okay to tell me why she was mad and she let it fly. And that day I opened up a valve that I've never been able to shut again. Like it's just, you know, but it's good. It, it's, it's been good for our relationship because we do. We've learned to communicate um, together. Uh, one other thing, the very first vehicle we bought was a, uh, it was a, F, a Ford F-150 and it was beautiful. Like it was, man, we, in fact, I ordered this vehicle so that I could get a manual transmission because they, you know, they don't hardly put manual trans, I don't even think you can get a truck with a manual anymore. And you're probably there like, that's crazy. Well, I loved it and we enjoyed having it. But I ordered this and it had all the options, right? It was a great manual transmission. And, and like at that time, it had the six or 10 disc CD, cha I don't know, CD changer. And it had all the bells and whistles and I, I loved it. But the one thing that I did, and I didn't tell her that I did, um, I ordered the bench seat in the front, <laughs> right? And, and, but it had, it had the armrest, but it wasn't bucket seats. It had everything else, but it was the bench seat. And I remember the first day, I, I went to pick it up and I went over and I was like, hey, let's go for a ride. And, and she got in and I raised that middle seat and I was like, come on over. And she looked at me. She's like, I'm not sliding over there <laughs> like, to ride. In the, I special ordered the middle seat just for you to ride next to me. And 
uh, it was that day I discovered she wasn't as much of a redneck as I am. <laughs> because I'll tell you, as a boy growing up in West Texas, there was nothing better than your baby sitting next to you in your pickup truck, right? <laughs> You're in your truck with your girlfriend or your wife sitting next to you, riding around. Um, so since then, uh, we have not had a bench seat. It's been bucket seats, you know, but uh, I, maybe we've grown to the place now where she would sit next to me. I don't know. But at that time, she wouldn't. I could, <laughs> it's funny. You're laughing now, but like I had ordered a truck just so she could sit next to me. I could tell you stories all morning about ways that Cerisa and I over the years have grown closer together, have learned who, we e who each other is and how we can be familiar with each other. And you know, that's exactly what I want to talk with you about today. Not my relationship with Cerisa, but our relationship with God. How intimately do we know God? So we're going to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 today. Uh, starting with verse 17, you can see it on your screen there. It's also on the Bible app. Um, well, I guess I won't use that one. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And, and that's kind of what we're talking about today. So let me give you some introductions. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what we're going to be doing here. First things first, um, spiritual formation. And if you're a note taker, you might write this down because this is uh, what we're going to be uh, talking about over the next several weeks. But spiritual formation, the process of being conformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. The process of being conformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. Now today, some of it may feel like teaching and some of it's going to feel like preaching. This part is teaching. That's what spiritual formation is. That's a commonly accepted definition. If you were to start reading some books and stuff, you would probably see that around. It, and on its face, it doesn't look like it's, there's a lot there, but really it's a full body definition. We're going to dig into that over the next few weeks. And then after we kind of get a good grasp on what spiritual formation is, we're going to turn our attention for another few weeks into ways that we can attend to spiritual formation in our own lives. Uh, we're going to explore what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to be like him. And this is where the Imago Dei, uh, you can see here, it's Latin for the image of Christ, the Imago Dei. Another phrase that you might have heard before. Uh, you'll probably hear that a lot. And the reason we're pursuing that, the reason we're pursuing the image of Christ is because he is who models a self-denial, servant leadership, uh, what he wants us to be. All right, so back to knowing Sarisa, just like I've grown to know her over the years, if we're truly growing closer with God, we're going to experience him more intimately. And remember that experience is the basis of relationship. You can't know anything if you don't experience somebody. Experience is the basis of relationship. If you know someone, you have experienced them in some way. So what does it mean to experience someone? It, it simply means that 
you have experiences with them. And for instance, you've had experience with your boss, right? You know your boss. You, you have experience with your teachers at school. You, uh, those of you who know each other in here have experiences with each other. If you bump into a person on a crowded street, you experience them in some kind of way, right? That you understand what I'm saying? I, I mean, you may not know them in the same way that you would know your boss or you would know your teacher, but you're still experiencing them. If, if you're married... You have experienced your spouse and, and you have experienced that person in both good and bad ways, in ways you haven't experienced anybody else. It, this is intimacy. So just remember, experience is the basis of relationship. You see, to experience something or someone is to come to know that person or thing in a way that you didn't know before. And the more experience you accumulate with somebody the more intimately you know them, right? So it takes a, a lot of experience to become intimately familiar with somebody. Now, I know a lot of you here. Some of you I know better than others, but I don't know any of you as well as I know my wife or my kids because I experience them more. And so this is why I think God has called us this year to be in a season to re-engage to re-engage with him, to come to know him in a more intimate way, to come to know who God is. He's calling us to go deeper. And understand, God has no misconceptions about who we are. We're fallen people. And we can't do anything apart from him, but God is wooing us. You understand that word woo? He's wooing us to himself. He's drawing us to him. Understand this, and you guys, you guys know, if you've watched any news or if you live, if you're alive today, you know that the world is going crazy. The world is going crazy, but those who follow Jesus are its anchor. But how will we be an anchor if we don't know him? Does that make sense? The world, it's like a slippery slope. And at some point, we've got to put an anchor into God and who he is. And as we truly begin to know who God is, then we become an anchor for the world. And, but it, at that same time, it's not us who's the anchor. It's God who's the anchor. It's just that we are part of his kingdom. I want you to understand that no matter what happens to the world around us, the kingdom is unchanging. His kingdom is unchanging. No matter what's going on, and no matter what the world says about whatever things and, and whatever political party and whatever, like, that doesn't matter. The kingdom of God is unchanging. And I believe that's why he's called us this year to re-engage with him which is in some sense a little bit scary. If we have disengaged with God, then we cease becoming an anchor. And the world is topsy-turvy. But he wants us to re-engage. And the only way we're ever going to know God is by spending time with him. And here's what's scary. Most of us live the Christian life by trying rather than training and I should have put that in the notes. <laughs> this is tweetable. 
Most of us live the Christian life by trying rather than training. What I mean is we read Christian books and magazines. We, we buy Christian shirts. We listen to Christian music. We listen to sermons and, and podcasts from all different preachers. Maybe we even read the Bible. But is the Bible a source of information? Or are we engaging with it? Is it just a, something that tells us about who God is? Or are we engaging with what the scriptures tell us who God is? Are the scriptures and these other resources, are they shaping us to be the kind of people who can actually love our enemies? Who can actually pray for those who persecute us? Who can actually live unoffended? Who can live free from worry? Who can release bitterness? that we have towards others. Are those resources shaping us? In other words, are we training? Or are we just trying? The information that we gather is only valuable if we engage with it as training that will enable us to be who Jesus has called us to be. And I think as part of us re-engaging is God calling us back to engage in that training. All right, so that's kind of some, some background on it. Why do we need spiritual formation though? Why do we need it? And what does that even mean? You know, there isn't anybody who seeks God on their own initiative. I don't know if you knew that. Like, none of us will pursue God simply out of the goodness of our hearts. It's just not going to happen. But that's not me just speculating. If you read Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, it says this. Uh, this is Paul who's um, reminding us what Psalms and Ecclesiastes said. So Paul's going back and quoting some scripture too. But this is Romans chapter 3. There is no one doing what is right. Not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who is trying to be with God. They have all turned away from him. And now they are of no use to anyone. There is no one who does good. Not even one. That sounds sad, doesn't it? <laughs> but that's because of the fall. When humankind fell, Adam and Eve sinned. We call that the fall. Since then, everything is broken. That broke everything. Our world is broken. Relationships are broken. Our relationship with God was broken. Everything is broken. So none of us are born with a will that seeks after God. Don't be su surprised, but also don't be discouraged. Ultimately, without God, we're hopeless, but there is a plan. And this is what I love about God. And remember me saying that his spirit is wooing us to him. We need spiritual formation because God intends for us to be like Jesus. In fact, it got, it was so broken. The world was so broken. God said, oh, it's, it's all messed up. And he started with Abraham. This is the, one of the coolest stories in all of Scripture. If you look at the Bible as this story of what God did. He started with, well, even before that, I shouldn't say he started with, but I, I just, like in the beginning, it broke and he was like, oh man, I'm going to fix it, but it's going to take a while. <laughs> and then along comes Abram and, and changed the name to Abraham and said, I'm going to make you a blessing to the nations. And 
so that tells us, and we've already talked about this, if you want to know all about the mission of God or God as mission, go back and listen to that series of messages again because God makes us a blessing to be a blessing. He has blessed us so we can bless others. So it, it was broken. Everything was messed up. God wants us to be like Jesus. So he started in the very beginning to start this whole process that led to Jesus. And he said, you guys really messed it up. So I'm going to show you how. Jesus was the first spirit. Well, we had a discussion about that. Jesus and John the Baptist, men's Bible study. Jesus was a spirit sourced person. A human being. So God doesn't overwhelm us in the process. He works with us. He doesn't force us to be like Jesus. He asks us to be like Jesus. But he doesn't force it. God, and, and here's what happens. God brings power and he brings love and he brings faithfulness and he brings consistency and he brings patience and he brings grace and he brings his spirit. We don't have a lot to offer in this relationship if you think about it. Because what do we bring? We bring our hurt and we bring sin and we bring brokenness and our histories and questions and doubts. And God wipes them all out. There's something I love about the grace of God. We were talking about wooing. We call it prevenient grace. It's the grace of God that comes to us when we didn't even know we needed it. He woos us to him. If you know anything about strengths finder, one of the strengths is woo, win others over. The Holy Spirit woos us to him. Have you ever heard somebody come and they say, I don't know why, but I just had this feeling. I was being drawn to God. And it's the prevenient grace. It's the Spirit wooing us to him. He wants us. He desires us. He draws us. And we begin the process of becoming like Jesus. So what happens to us? What's happening as we walk in relationship with God? We draw closer to him when we become more like Jesus. This is the pursuit of being a Christian. This is that pursuit. He woos us. We accept Christ as our Savior. You've heard that term. We step into the kingdom and the process begins. As we draw close to him, we become more like him and all he wants us to be. Here's C.S. Lewis. We, you know we love C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, he said this. Every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different from what it was before. And taking your life as a whole, with all your innumerable choices, all your lifelong, you are slowly turning the central thing either into a heavenly creature or into a hellish creature. Either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. Every choice you make, you are turning yourself either more towards God or more away from God. Whenever we talk to people and I try to counsel my kids and anybody that I talk with about spiritual things, spiritual matters, I want you to understand that when we counsel them and when we talk to people and they say, how's your relationship with God? 
there is no level plane, not really. Either we're growing closer to him or we're growing further away from him. There's no like, yeah, everything's fine and I'm, I'm doing the same every day. You can't. You have to wake up tomorrow and draw closer to him. Every choice that you make is a choice for you to either draw closer to him or further from him. He is calling us to return to our first love. He is calling us to return to our first love. So this is where, and oh, you're going to hear about this. This is where we repent of our sins, where we turn away from things that are not pleasing to him. We repent. We set aside. We change our mind. We change direction. You hear people say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's, that's what John the Baptist said. And what he was trying to say is, whichever way, whichever direction you're going, you're going this way, repent of the bad decisions and, and the wrong choices. Repent of the way you used to live and the things you used to do, repent. Turn your back on them and step into his kingdom. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not turn or burn. It's not like uh, repent of those things or go to hell, which ultimately is what happens. But that's not the way God convinces us. The way God convinces us is he says, listen, I have such a better place for you. I have such a better desire for you. I have things that I want for you, things to prosper you, not to harm you, the scripture tells us. I have the greatest things in mind for you if you will only repent and step into my kingdom. And as we do that, we're returning to our first love. Turn from selfishness. Turn from self-destructive behaviors. Have the courage to look sin in the face and call it sin. Forgive me for that sin. What we do and we rationalize. Have you ever had a kid, if you have children or if you've seen children, when they get in trouble, what do they all do? Well, it wasn't my fault. What had happened was, see, the thing that, it happened last night at our house. We were sitting around and um, Caden, our 10-year-old, he gets to wrestling around and kicking things around and he kicked a plate of food on the floor. And like, well, it wasn't my fault. Somebody was wrestling with me and blah, 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 you know. We, but we laugh at that. But you know, we do the very same thing to God. When he catches us in a sin or whenever we feel guilty about something, we're like, oh, it wasn't my fault. What had happened? The reason I said that word, well, they really stirred me up. And it was not, right? We have an excuse we rationalize. Part of returning, re-engaging, is having the courage to look at sin and call it a sin. But be forgiven for that sin. God, forgive me. Repent and move forward. The cool thing about God is, this isn't even in my notes, but the cool thing about God is it says that he forgets it. It's cast into the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. Like he doesn't recall our sin once we've been forgiven. It's just an amazing thing. So it's not like he wants to bash you over your head with that. He's like, hey, this is a sin. Just, just turn away from it. Like it's okay. The desire to be right with God stems from him wooing us. We recognize the grace of God at work in our lives. And then that causes us to reorder our lives. 
We change the order of things. When we desire something that's outside of God's will, we can't let ourselves be tripped up by a behavior that's displeasing to God. But then when we desire a good thing, don't think about it. Act on it. Do it. When we desire God, we order ourselves in such a way that we repent of things that are displeasing to God and we prioritize things that are pleasing to Him. It's a reordering of our lives. All of a sudden, the things that were important aren't quite as important to us anymore. We need to trust the process. This is a process. And this is what I mean whenever I think people overwhelm themselves because they know their depravity. You understand the, the depraved, depraved the, how bad they've gotten. They recognize that in themselves and they're like, I can't even. Like, I can't. That's it. That's all. I'm just, I can't even do it. People have told me I'm so bad. God can do nothing with me. I'm just going to not trust him at all. I'm like, no, that's not the way it works. He starts with one thing. He just, he just asks for one thing, like just one thing at a time. It's a process. We need to trust the process. You make a decision for God and then it's a process and he walks you through things. He doesn't say, hey, why don't you get right and then come to me? He says, and Jesus even said, I didn't come for uh, the sick aren't who need a hospital or a doctor. I mean, the well, excuse me, the well aren't who need it. It's the sick. That's why I came, like, in other words, step towards him and then he's going to work with you. Step towards him and then he does things that are going to help you out. It doesn't happen all at once. And this is what we're going to talk about over the next, or I guess next week. The process, that's the process of being conformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. It's a process. It's not going to happen all at once. But will you just take a step? Can you make one step? When we're faithful, this is something as a process that will happen over time. All God's asking you for today is one step. That's all he's asking for, just one step. It's not like he's saying, hey, you've never run a marathon. Do you want to run one tomorrow? He's saying, just give me one step. Like, just take one step towards me. I have a friend. I'm going to invite the band. We're going to close. I have a friend and a mentor. Uh, his name's Bob Hennigan. You've heard me talk about Pastor Bob. <laughs> he's an amazing person. And I hope he watches this later because he lives in the mountains in Colorado. A true modern day uh, um, you nomad, yeah, he's off the grid. It's, he's 85 years old, and uh, he and I will talk. When he comes into town, he has a cell phone, so he'll call me. <laughs> he's in the mountains where there's no cell service. I visited him once, and he, he said, uh, he's like a monk, really. He's a retired Nazarene pastor. He, he looked at me, and he said, Cal, we're going to sit here. I want you to look at that mountain <laughs> for the next hour. And what? Just look at the mountain really? It was one of the most amazing hours I've ever spent. I'll tell you that. So Pastor Bob, he and I were talking and he said this and I asked if I could quote him. He said, at the end of the age, you have to be in line with Christ or Satan. We're being shaped by either one critter or the other critter. If you knew him, that's how he talks. Who I am is who I am going to end up with. Think about that for a moment. Union with God, abiding in Christ shapes us. 
The fire that purges us is basically destroying our self-centeredness where it's actually creating and activating our real self into the person God wants us to be. <laughs> Spiritual formation is the process of lining ourselves up with Christ. It is the process of being restored into the imago Dei. That's what spiritual formation is. By the way, if you didn't get that note, you can get the sermon notes, today's message, it's in there too. <laughs> That's either you're going one way or the other. And I want to let you know today, God is not asking you to run a marathon. He's asking you to take a step. So you guys stand with me. We're going to close with a prayer. And I just want to let you know that uh, we have these altars up here where you, please, if you want to come this morning and you feel like God's asking you to take a step today, then come up here and pray. Kneel down at this altar. What is special about these altars is that it is a designated place to meet with God. Sometimes we need that. God, today I'm, I'm asking I'm asking that your spirit, Holy Spirit, would you begin to woo us? For some of us, we walked in here today and you were already wooing us. Somebody in here today, God is calling you to make a decision. And he's saying, just take one step towards me. You take that one step and I don't know if you've been on a journey with him for 50 years or today's the first day. But he just wants the one step. God, my prayer today is that you would be with us in this process. Holy Spirit, can you call us to yourself? Would you begin to work in our lives, Holy Spirit? And for some people, it's continuing to work. Forgive us, God, for the things that are not pleasing to you. Help us as we examine ourselves, Holy Spirit. Would you examine us? Would you find any way in us that's not pleasing to you? That's what the psalm says. Find those ways that are not pleasing. to take a step towards you. And then tomorrow, another step, and then the following day, another step, and then eventually we have run a marathon. A process. Thank you, God, that you work with us. Forgive us for the times that we try ourselves. Forgive us for the times that we look at sin and we make excuses. today. I see that nobody's here at the altar, but I want you to know, in fact, if, to everybody here, just whatever is in your heart today. I know there's in a group this size, God is calling some of us to repent. Whatever that is, would you just search your heart and say, God, I repent of this. I turn from that. Give me strength, God. Give me strength to take that step towards you.
Holy Spirit, we are grateful to you for every good thing. Walk with us, God, as we are spiritually formed, as we are made into the image of Christ, the Imago Dei. 